Coming up on the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast, we find out what happened at the USAFL Western Regionals with Brian Barish. We talk AFL London Women's League Finals with Mitch Skelly. Plus, all the latest news in the VFLW with Matthew Cox, the AFL Sydney Women's Premier Division with Lauren Hodgson, and the QWAFL with Aaron Russell. That's all coming up over the next hour. I'm Peter Holden and welcome to the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast. And a friendly note that this podcast airs as a radio program Wednesday evening, 6pm Australian Eastern Standard Time on RSN Carnival. That's digital radio in Melbourne and also available worldwide via the RSN Racing and Sport app and via rsn.net.au. And don't forget, we're bringing you two VFL women's matches this weekend on RSN Carnival, starting both days at 11am. On Saturday, it's Darabin versus Hawthorne from Bill Laurie Oval. And then on Sunday, it's the Western Bulldogs versus the Southern Saints at Henry Turner Memorial Reserve in Footscray. The last of the United States Australian Football League regional tournaments for 2018 was held over the weekend. It was the Western Regionals, and to give us the lowdown on everything that happened, we've got on the line the media manager of the USAFL, Brian Barish. Brian, how are you? Uh, well, Peter, good to be talking to you again. And you haven't melted in Sacramento? No, actually, everything was okay for the most part. We were we were talking about 38 Celsius in terms of the temperature. Uh, it actually wasn't too bad. It was only about 34 or 35. Uh, it, w- it was chilly, if you will, actually, and, and there was no humidity. So uh, I'm glad I wasn't out there running around, but it wasn't as oppressive as, as everyone thought it was going to be. So, uh, nope, I'm fully intact. <laughs> <laughs> it's great to hear now. As much as we had four sites officially taking part in the tournament. If I'm correct, there was actually seven clubs represented, uh, first of all being the uh, current national champions, the San Francisco Iron Maidens. And then, of course, we had Sacramento, Portland and Seattle, but they weren't playing as standalone sides. They had some other pairings as well. That's right, Peter. The uh, Basically, as you said, there were three additional clubs that had brought partial uh, lists. And so... To make sure that everyone got a run in, uh, they were put with the full sides. Now, the Arizona Lady Hawks was interesting. They brought eight players with them, and so four ended up playing with Sacramento, and the other four played with the San Francisco Iron Maidens. And oddly enough, they played each other in the very first game. Uh, the Portland Sockeyes had uh, six players from Los Angeles, while the Seattle Grizzlies had Uh, four players from the Arizona Outlaws and one from the Las Vegas Gamblers. So that's another team you can check off on the list for uh, women's participation in the USAFL, which was great to see. Uh, The Gamblers overall uh, have been kind of in and out. Uh, They have a handful of players that come to tournaments, but uh, it's it's great to see them get a a woman in as well uh, here at the Western Regionals. Absolutely. Love to have women's football happening in Las Vegas, Nevada. Let's have a look at the uh, first game that was played, the uh, reigning national champions, the San Francisco Iron Maidens, five straight 30, uh, accounting for Sacramento 2-1-13. This was a a much closer game than the score would indicate. Uh, The teams traded goals in the opening quarter, uh, the team's playing four 10-minute quarters because of the of the forecasted heat instead of the 20-minute halves that we're used to at these tournaments. And I think that really kind of did change a little bit the complexion of the games, uh, not only on the women's side, but the men's side as well, as uh, you know, it was more of a sprint in a sense. It was more of a series of sprints than this 20-minute quarters that obviously in footy most people are used to. But uh, the Maidens scored first. And then the Suns, through Nicolette Clark, had kicked two goals in the opening term and led by that six-point margin at quarter time. The Maidens came back through Jessica Lund, uh, kicking the tying goal and then kicking the go-ahead goal uh, to give them, the Maidens, a lead of 18 to 12 at halftime. But in the second half, it was all Iron Maidens. And uh, what's interesting to me is that they took the opportunity to try a couple of people in a couple of different positions. Uh, Meg Leone was, it was generally at this point with Brett Brower out there, first choice rock played in more of a Rover role, uh, platooning in the middle of the field and going up into the half forward line. Uh, They ended up using Panda win in the rock contest for most of the day. And uh, she performed pretty well. She definitely was very green at the position, as we'll get into in the game against Seattle. But uh, but 
as as well as as Sacramento played, and they did have some good passages of play through uh, through Lure Quoca and through Wayne um, Wynn in the middle of the ground. Uh, Meg Leone was the best on ground for the day as well, and and for Sacramento as well, Melissa Wilhelm who left the game early when there was a little bit of a collision on the wing position. Uh, and and odd, oddly of note, she would get kicked in the eye later on by her, one of her own teammates. So she has a, uh, shall we say, a pretty nice shiner. But uh, Leon and Estrada were way too much for the Iron Maidens as they went on to win by 17 points. In the other game that was happening at the same time, uh, Portland 3-4-22 defeated the Seattle Grizzlies, just the two behinds, which to me was a bit of a shock because Seattle had had the better of Portland coming into this tournament. They they did, Peter. And, and the interesting thing to me is just talking to uh, some of the Seattle players afterwards. Um, I think they were, uh, you know, and they had played them once during the year and they also had played them uh, combined with the Vancouver players as well. Uh, Portland came into this weekend not only very prepared, but the inclusion of the Los Angeles players, uh, Yui Kawakatsu had an amazing tournament. Uh, she was in the running for best and fairest. Uh, Lucy Parrington as well, who was named the tournament MVP, uh, which is uh, kind of a little bit different chosen award than best and fairest. Uh, Brandy Machado, who was a rookie, played very well as well. Um, Seattle played well, despite the fact that they lost 22-2 to was the final score. Portland 3-4-22 to Seattle, two behinds. Uh, April Lewis ended up being best on ground in that particular game. But the Sockeyes, not only that, but they also had Paige Kicker from the Minnesota Freeze, who uh, was just was unable to attend the Central Regional. They uh, allowed her to play for the Sockeyes to get a run in. And she was very influential during the course of the tournament, especially in the later games. Yeah, it was a little bit of a surprise to see Portland, but with the players like Silvio and Kawakatsu augmenting Simone Shepard, uh, the Sockeyes were definitely a better team than what the Grizzlies had been playing uh, during this 2018 season. Turning to round two of the tournament, uh, a game that I thought could be a potential grand final matchup at the Nationals, but maybe the form of the Western Regionals suggests different. Uh, San Francisco Iron Maidens 5-3-33, defeating the Seattle Grizzlies 1-3-9. Yeah, and it it still may very well be, Peter. I mean, again, Nationals is a completely different beast. Uh, and, of course, there's so many things can change in terms of injuries on both sides. But, uh, yeah, the Maidens came out once again here, and, and uh, they really controlled the middle. And, and as I mentioned, Panda win. In this game, I think she kind of had shown that she's still fairly new at the position. She would lead with her knee. And at this point, also, Seattle was playing basically their second or third choice rock as they went with uh, they went first with Amelia Carr and Wynn had the better of her. And then when they cycled out Carr, they brought in Katya Hewitt, who's still a relatively new player. So you could start to see a little bit of a lack of depth in terms of the uh, in terms of the Grizzlies roster on the day. Marion Dickinson did really stand up for them in the second game. But it was all Robin Leslie. She had a, a number of good opportunities. She had uh, three goals in the game. Bevan English was her normal self. Uh, and so it might still be a little bit of time before we see the changing of the guard. This, I mean, I was really anticipating this, this match as well, Peter, considering how well the Grizzlies have played. But the Maidens, just a lot of class. And as you said, they went on to win by four straight kicks. And a good contest. Portland Sockeyes 5-6-36 uh, defeated Sacramento 3-1-19. Yeah, and the Suns, again, they still are a much improved side than they were even like four or five years ago, and they're still coming along nicely uh, in this. And Mackenzie Carr, we talk about uh, her play with the Liberty, and also uh, I think she's really an underrated defensive player. She's very... Uh, she, she's very tenacious around the football. Uh, she has, I think, deceptive close-down speed. Uh, you know, she she looks like more of a muscle player in terms of being able to just kind of shoulder people off the football. But she is very uh, quick at getting to the footy as well. Uh, Danielle Marshall, who is one of the Arizona players, also played really well in this game for the Suns. 
and Aubrey, she actually was college teammates with Aubrey Bagley, college soccer teammates. And uh, she's a tall player. Uh, I wouldn't say she's sort of in the mold of a Katrina Scherer. I don't think she's as fast as Sonic. But uh, she'll be fun to watch uh, when, especially as we head into this next cycle with the freedom. But uh, once again, uh, Portland, and, and again, the, the L.A. players standing up. Kawakatsu was best on ground. Parrington had another strong game as well. And uh, as you said, they went on to win by, by 17 points, which set up the de facto grand final for between the Maidens and the Sockeyes, and then Seattle and Sacramento playing in what amounted to be a third-place game. And in that playoff for third, the Seattle Grizzlies, three behinds, went down to the Sacramento Suns, 1-1-7 in a close one. Yeah, it was a close game, and as the score suggests, it was you know it was the third game of, of the day for both teams. The game was played late in the day at about 5 o'clock. Uh, as we said, the temperatures weren't as bad, but both teams really were feeling it. Um, and, but at the same time, the, so the defense really stepped up in this game. Lorraine Quoka stepping up and playing the defensive side for them and, and really stepping up to take a lot of marks. And, uh, Marion Dickinson as well on the Seattle side. Again, it was defense really stepping up. There was just the one goal in it. And the Suns, you know, I think they really deserve the victory on the day, uh, which is good considering that they hosted it. Uh, Seattle, as we said, I think the fact that they had played the Vixens, the Vancouver Vixens, so many times, um, I think they even admitted that, you know, you get into kind of a routine and these are m- much better teams than they were used to playing. So I think they'll go home and and uh, they'll they'll try to change things up as they finish their season. Uh, and, and we'll see how they go with Nationals. Like I said, Nationals are a completely different beast, but it was good on the Suns to, for them to pick up a win. So the final game was a battle between the USAFL Nationals Division One champion and the USAFL Nationals Division Two champion, and it was the Division Two champion that came out on top. Portland Sockeyes two one thirteen defeating the Iron Maidens of San Francisco one four ten. Yeah, this uh, this was I would say of, of, it definitely was the best game of the regionals. I think it may even have been better than the the Baltimore. New York game and the to decide the Eastern Regional Championship, and uh, it, it did remind me a little bit of the game in 2016 where the Sockeyes and the Minnesota Freeze combined to play and and defeat the Iron Maidens. That game was tw- was a 12 to three, and the funny thing was is that was the score at one point in this game, and I was like, well, it's deja vu all over again. Um, in Portland and. Portland really had the upper hand for most of this game, Peter. Uh, and Simone Shepard really took charge in this one. She kicked the opening goal after the Maidens had kicked the first two behinds. And from there, uh, Shepard and Kawakatsu and Silvio, and then Heather Serpico, who is not known as a goal scorer, ended up kicking what ended up being the game winning goal. Uh, they have led. 12 to 3 at halftime in the second half Jessica Lund with another goal cut into the deficit but the story of the game here was Paige Kicker who took uh, uh, I would say probably about 15 marks in the back line and that's really what she had done in the Western Regionals a couple of years ago Uh, really any time the ball came in anywhere maybe within about a 10 meter span of where she was she did take a lot of uncontested marks and you know you can say the uncontested marks really don't mean a lot especially when the maidens are just you know we're just kind of kicking the ball uh, you know with some purpose but the fact that you know is considering that they had bevan english who had done the same thing throughout the afternoon and even in the international cup it really sealed the deal for the sockeyes uh, combination that ended up winning 13 to 10. I think it says also a lot, a lot about the LA girls as well. Uh, you know, Kawakatsu and Eileen Yu, who played a fantastic game, uh, that they helped this Sockeyes team. So it'll be interesting to see also how they go on their own. There's been talk that they might be able to bring enough for Division One side at Nationals and Racine. Uh, but this should also give the Dragon Ladies a lot of confidence heading into Nationals as well, no matter who they pair up with. It sounds like they'll pair up with Arizona, but 
uh, yeah, it definitely was a big game for them and really kind of showed their potential. Indeed, as we do uh, look ahead towards uh, Nationals, as you said, fingers crossed that Portland can bring enough players. But uh, if they don't, I guess it does give some food for thought for the Women's Association if they uh, elect to allow Portland to team up with a few spare players to be able to step up to Division One because they've certainly collected some big scalps over the most recent years. Yeah, they have. Um, and especially, uh, like I said, their, their battles with Seattle and, uh, you know, again, the, the fact that they beat uh, mostly Seattle side this past weekend um, really kind of shows that they're, you know, they're a good side and they deserve to do that. Um, they do have players who, if they're able to bring, uh, will will definitely make them a formidable side. I wouldn't say that they're at the same level of, of San Francisco quite yet, or uh, even though, you know, they did get the victory on the day, you know, uh, San Francisco uh, missing Carly Smolak, who had an ACL tear. She's out uh, probably until next season, until like mid next season. Uh, so, and they were missing a couple of other players as well. Uh, Brett Brower, who is back playing again, uh, played in the, Denver game a few weeks ago, but didn't make the trip out. Uh, she's not living in San Fran- the San Francisco area anymore. So, um, but all the same, uh, yeah, we'll 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 definitely have to see what happens. I think they would be a good a good contest in in Division One should they go that route at Nationals. And talking about Nationals, of course, that's coming up on October 13 and 14 in Racine, Wisconsin. But there's something more for the women in just a couple of weeks' time. Yeah, the USA Freedom Camp uh, for 2018 will be taking place in Denver the weekend of August 17th through the 19th. Um, and so this is the actually the first camp, the first gathering since last year's AFL International Cup. So it it will be looking really interesting to see. There'll be obviously a lot of veterans that are be co- that will be coming out and a lot of new players as well. Uh, I mentioned Danny Marshall from Arizona. She'll just be one of many. Amelia Carr uh, from Seattle confirmed that she's making the trip as well. Uh, so there will be a lot of new players for the selectors to take a look at and to keep in their mind. Um, not quite sure at this point in time when the next uh, freedom match will be. Uh, as the uh, Revolution, the men's team, are just actually currently in Ireland right now, and there was talk that the Freedom might join them, but that didn't happen. Um, so we'll have to see what what when we'll actually get to see the Freedom and the Liberty in action next. But uh, it would be interesting to see over the next three years and the next two years at this point in this IC cycle, the new players that come through. Uh, we saw a lot of brand new players uh, almost household-like names, of course, Shearer playing for the, for the first time for her country last, uh, last year in the International Cup after, you know, there was a lot of buzz around her. And, of course, the job that she's done now with Bond University, Katie Klatt making her International Cup debut coming up through the system. So um, we'll see how it goes, and uh, we'll report back uh, how it goes in the coming weeks. Well, Brian, thanks very much for joining us here on Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival. And we look forward to catching up with you again in the near future when we uh, talk about the USAFL Nationals in Racing, Wisconsin. Absolutely. Thanks, Peter. Anytime. And sticking with the international theme, let's head across to Great Britain, where the AFL London Women's League has kicked off its final series. And joining us on the line, the coach of the Wandsworth Demons and England Vixens, it's Mitch Scully. Mitch, how are you? Good, thanks, Pete. Yeah, we've finally had some rain come down and soften the grounds up just in time for finals, so everyone's happy. Yes, just to cool the uh, temperature over there in summertime England. And uh, the footy was hot, though, with three finals being played, two semis in the Premiership Division and a preliminary in the conference. Let's start by looking at the women's Premiership Division. Sorry to bring you the heartache early, but it was the North London Lions, 6-5-41, knocking off your Demons, 1-2-8 in the major semifinal. Uh, yes, well, it was a result that may have surprised a few people, but I think I said last week that for us to beat the Lions, we had to be at our best. Uh, we probably weren't. It was a game that was played in pretty heavy winds coming across the ground, but sort of despite this, uh, North London, they seemed to get everything right. They won the clearances, had loose players everywhere with Jess Shea running right. 
Um, the forwards seemed to be isolated. The back line never gave us a sniff. Um, so they were really good. Uh, they had Danny Trot in the ruck and their midfield unit just really strong all day, setting up their key forwards, their fuel bay and Rania turn Ramadan. Um, but it was probably, yeah, the third quarter where they, they really put the foot down. They kicked three goals to nothing and pretty much iced the game. And then kicking against the breeze in the last quarter there, their skipper, Laurel Burke, she dropped back as an extra defender and just shut everything down. So great performance from the Lions. Uh, from our point of view, we'll probably second to the footy all day. A few players seem a bit flat-footed, out of position. Um, so, yeah, lots of things we can get right. Obviously, you know, we finished on top during the season. We've had the chance to have a second um, crack at it this week with the prelim final. Um, but hopefully, you know, looking at the positive signs, we had Jess Tester working really hard in defence on the weekend. Katie Whitfield was dangerous up forward. Jane Meadows had a good crack. Um, so, you know, if we can get a few more people to join them in putting in good performances, hopefully we get another shot at the Lions in two weeks. In the minor semi-finals, the West London Wildcats hanging on against the South East London Giants, 3-3-21 to 2-6-18. Yeah, the elimination final on Sunday was an absolute cracker. Uh, the Wildcats prevailed by three points, um, so they get their shot at a prelim final now. Uh, Sunday's games are the first one in quite some, well, first games in quite a while, impacted by the rain. Uh, but I don't think anyone was actually complaining because the decks have been getting pretty hard at, at times. For the Giants, Tamara Rowe kicked two goals. Alex Umbers rucked really well. Isabel Hall had plenty of clearances. Probably just wasn't enough to get them over the line. Uh, it was a really tight game, as we can see. Wildcats made the most of their opportunities. Um, Giants probably ruining a few chances. Two goals, six. And they had to convert one more and they would have taken away a win. Uh, for the Wildcats, apologies, I don't have the name, but number five, she was awesome. Uh, sort of tall lane midfielder. Yeah, so for the Giants, their season comes to an end. Uh, last season made the grand final. This year couldn't really, they just never really got going. They showed some really good signs in the second half of the year, though, so they've got plenty to build on. Um, they'll be back bigger and stronger next year. And uh, the Cats live to fight another day in the prelim. We look to the Women's Conference Division and the preliminary final, and what a dominant display by the London Swans. 7-10-52, Putney Magpies, no score. Yeah, the women's conference was uh, as one-sided as it gets, so the Swans never gave Putney a look in. Um, there's a spot in the grand final on the line for this in this game, so the Swans, they made sure of that pretty early, I think. Um, really united sort of team game. Megan Burns in the ruck, very good. Jordan Holdsworth, plenty of clearances. She sort of plays as an inside and outside midfielder, so very hard to stop. Uh, and then Louisa Smith down back had another really good game. For Putney... They struggled a bit. Um, they, they sort of, they were finding it hard to put a team out in the park just because they had a few players unavailable. And by the end of the game, they only had 14 fit, fit players. So, yeah, for Putney, a really a, a disappointing end of the season. But at times during this year, they showed some really good stuff um, at their best place and great footy. I think it's just a matter of putting their best players on the park more regularly. So, you know, from where they were last year to this year, They've come a long way, and I'm sure if they keep building on that next year, they'll be even more competitive, and, you know, they might be the team pushing for a spot in the grand final next year. So let's look to this week. We start in the Premiership Division, where it's the preliminary final for the right to take on the North London Lions. Your Wandsworth Demons up against the West London Wildcats. Yeah, so for us, it's the first time in a while we've gone into a game on the back of a loss, so... For some of our girls, it's probably never actually happened to them. So um, it'll be really interesting to see how they respond. Um, but if nothing else, we've learned on Saturday that finals footy is a whole new ball game. It was a really bruising encounter um, on the weekend. So we had a couple of little selection headaches with injuries. Um, but we do welcome back Jamie Rigoli from Tomorrowland. We had a big festival on the weekend. Um, she adds a lot of pace into our back line, which is something we probably lacked on the weekend. Uh, unfortunately, missing out this week is... Linda Connolly and Hayley Canton, two of our forwards, um, unavailable. Uh, but we've you know, got our options down there, Naomi Fumano and Caitlin McKenzie. Hopefully they can step up and kick a winning score. The Wildcats, pretty tough side to read. Their good results are really good. From time to time, they'll drop a game um, that they may expect to win. They've had a couple of really tight, close games with the Giants in the past two weeks. So I think the, Giant, uh, sorry, the Wildcats, they'll be hoping to keep it nice and tight 
and use that, that experience in those tight, close games to try and get out on top. But yeah, but again, from our point of view, if we can, we can right a few wrongs from last weekend, we're confident we can uh, get another shot at the Lions. But again, in finals footy, anything other than your best, not going to be good enough. And finally, this Saturday, 4th of August at Hackney Marshes, the Women's Conference Grand Final, the Wandsworth Demons Reserves take on the London Swans. Yeah, I can't wait for this one. So the Grand Final comes one week earlier than everybody else in the league, um, and it promises to be an absolute ripping game. I, th- I, sort of, I touched on the stats a few weeks ago. They've now met six times in two seasons. I think it's three to the Demons, two to the Swans in a draw. All of the results have been really tight. Um, both teams coming in good form. So obviously the Demons beat the Swans a couple of weeks ago. Uh, the Swans had that massive win against Putney on the weekend just gone. So I think for the Swans, uh, their informed defender, Louisa Smith, she'll be really crucial. She'll be playing most likely on our, one of our full forwards, or one of our forwards, uh, Bonnie Buckets Johnson. That's a battle that will go a long way to determining, you know, whether we can kick a winning score. Uh, in the midfield, Captain Jenna Steele for the Demons. She's been consistently good all season whilst Jordan Holdsworth, we saw her had a really big game on the weekend, winning clearances. Um, so, you know, both teams looking at that midfield to get on top. But I'm sure whatever the result, it'll be pretty tight. Um, the Swans have their home ground advantage, but I don't think that'll play a huge, huge effect on things. It's finals footy. Everyone will be up for it. It's going to be a close game. So if anyone is in London on the weekend and you're keen for some good local footy, Get out to Hackney Marshes because it's sure to be a great day. Yes, indeed. That's five games of footy out there, three men's divisions and two women's divisions. And, of course, one of them being the grand final, the Women's Conference grand final. Mitch, thanks very much for joining us here on Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival. And uh, we look forward to catching up with you next week when we review back that Women's Conference grand final and then preview the Women's Premiership Division grand final. Yeah, I hope to speak to you then with some good news from the Demons. Let's find out what's been happening in the Bond University QWAFL. They've held the penultimate round, round 16 of the competition. And with all the lowdown, we've got on the line a premiership coach with Coolangatta Tweed, Aaron Russell. Aaron, how are you? Peter, great up here, mate. Round 16 has concluded. Uh, Some interesting games have taken place. Uh, The finals is taking shape for... 2018. So yeah, it's going to be going to be really interesting um, how this season is going to unfold. But it's not over yet. Still got one round, and there could be some twists and turns still yet to come. So yeah, let's get into it. The weekend was round 16, the penultimate round, and we already had a mm. pseudo elimination final between Bond University and Yeronga South Brisbane. And sadly, because Bond have the bye next week, their season is done. 5-1-31, losing to Yoronga South Brisbane, 9-3-57. Yeah, that, that's right. Um, definitely playing for the, the that last spot uh, against Yoronga here. But so were Yoronga. And they had a lot to, equally as much to play for. So um, they, their final hopes were on the line in this game as well. So this was, as you say, pretty much an el- elimination final. Um it's been a great year for Bond, though. Um, they've they've uh, definitely probably done a lot better than, than some would have thought. Um, they've got some handy young talent coming up. Um, I think a lot of, obviously, their games, yes, can be argued that uh, um, a lot of their games earlier in the season weren't probably a true indication of the strength of most of the competition they'd be up against. But, um, yeah, they've, they, they've, they've done pretty well uh, as, as, as it um as it stands, but Yoronga, uh, door wide open for them in season 2018 to defend their premiership from last year. Um, great to see the likes of, uh, well, the host of names, really. Um, <laughs> Bates, uh, Zanchetta, Howarth, uh, Ransfield, um, Keefe uh, in the side. So, yeah, they, they, they are getting back to what has been their, their strongest side um, that they've had while in terms of top end talent, so that's that they've got those players there. It's um, really I think that their second half, their second tier of players. What what can they do? But yeah, I mean when you're up against a, a Bates, um, it, it's going to be you're always going to be out of a tough day at the office. Was Bond so um, also featuring in their best players on the weekend uh, was was Bates. So well done to her and Sanchetta chiming in for a couple. Um, that's great to see. And, and Kendi, who we know is a prolific goal kicker, 
um, manage a lot of it for two for them as well. So, yeah, um, they've kept these finals chances well and truly uh, open here with a win against Bond on the weekend. So, well done, Yoronga. And Kuparu, 12-15-87, defeating Maruchidor, one one seven, probably as anticipated. And has the weather been getting a bit cool there? I thought I saw a highlight rule with uh, Jess uh, Ruchner wearing long sleeves. Yeah, did you see? Did you see the uh, the goal she kicked on the weekend? Not, not bad um, at all. Not too bad. Yeah, pretty pretty good. But I mean, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna say there was a highlight reel, and and she'd probably assume she'd be in it somewhere, right? But um, she bobbed up with two goals for herself on the weekend. Um, not as many as Janae Govan though. She kicked five, and she's currently leading the league. Um, leading leading goal kick, so uh, and and she's played uh, in the back half for most of her career, so um, she's been able to, to to swing forward, which is great for them. Find another avenue to goal, and I think that's what they really needed to do. You know, Wishner can kick a lot of goals, and I think when she first came to the club, she was sort of playing um, too much midfield time. I thought, and I was loving to waiting just to, to, to throw her forward, and, and she pretty much spends most of the time up there, and she's just way too dangerous to not have up there. Um, she capitalises on so many opportunities and her efficiency inside 50 is, is second to none in the competition. So she's got to be there. Um, she's kicked two goals on the weekend. And yeah, as one of those goals was, was fantastic. Step back inside, around two players, threw it on the left, um, inside out, check side dribble along the ground, does whatever she wants and kicks a goal. So, um, fantastic effort. One to see though, um, for them. Tori Groves Little also kicking a goal and, um, was in their best players as well. And, um, you know, they, they had a bit of a rough trot with, with injuries this year, uh, Cooperu, but, um, Tori has been one of the, the juniors they've been able to pick up and she's a fantastic player to see at full flight. Um, much similar to, to Kate McCarthy. Super quick, loves to run, gets out. Can bounce, bounce the ball at top speed, um, almost uncatchable at, when when she's out in spaces. Uh, but one thing she brings to her game um, as well is her aerial game. She's great in the air, has a great leap and strong above head. So uh, good to see her in some good form. Um, and Sally Young was their, their best player. And, and it's great to see. She's had a rough trot with injuries over the last couple of years. She's hungry as ever to see her team have some success. So they've locked themselves in for finals 2018. See if they can go one step further than their uh, grand final appearance um, last year. And in uh, this next game, uh, I was surprised by the margin. Uh, 8-7-55, UQ Red Lions accounting for Kulangata Tweed, just the two behind. Yeah, 100%. Um, not often that you see um, a team not register a goal, especially Cooley. Uh, for the last couple of years. So they didn't even score in the first half, however. Um, I don't think this is so much about them and what they didn't do right. I think it's about where UQ are at at the moment. Um, you know, we've been talking them up, well, I've been talking them up for quite a while now, uh, even when they were sitting on three uh, three wins and seven losses. So, um, you know, I think I think it's mostly about them. Uh, Frederick Traub kicked three goals on the weekend. Kate McCarthy uh, bobbed up for a goal. They're using both of those girls majority time forward. Um, Nat Greider, who was named uh, most valuable player in the Queensland under-18s this year, um, also playing, uh, getting named best on um, for the match in that game. So, yeah, they've got some good young talent, some household names at the top, um, some great girls in the middle. So I think, yeah, I think they're going to be a really tough side to beat, um, and a lot of sides I think were hoping that they wouldn't. Make Having a look ahead to uh, round 17 action, uh, let's begin at Leishon Park, 3.45 p.m. Yoronga South Brisbane can make the finals, but first of all, they need to win and they've got to beat the top side, Wilson Grange. Yeah, exactly, 100%. Um, it's going to be a real tough uh, tough game. They've got to win, um, cool to win. One of them's going to make the last spot and the other's going to miss out. So who's it going to be? Yoronga um, have to win to make it in. Um, Percentage-wise, is not as good as Cooley's. Um, they probably got the tougher of the two games uh, out of the two sides, but off, going off the last couple of weeks, they're in slightly better form. And any side uh, with Bates in it, she's sometimes worth two or three midfielders out there on the park. So they can definitely get across the line. Um, but Wilson aren't going to give it to them easy. They haven't had a full-strength side for a little while. They're going to be looking to get some um, get some... Uh, cohesiveness in their side uh, coming into the last round of the finals. So it's going to be a really tough game. I think this will probably be 
the match winner, uh, match, match of the round, sorry, and it's going to be a lot closer game than uh, what we've seen between these two sides in previous encounters this year. So um, great game to get down um, to watch this weekend. The Cooley Cooperu one, on the other hand, we'll jump straight to that. And um, again, probably that you'd say Cooperu might be slightly uh, easy, say easier, but <laughs> might be a, 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 if you had to pick play Wilson or Cooperu, Judging on the ladder, you'd probably have to pick Cooper, wouldn't you? But um, Cooley are going to be up against it. They obviously didn't have a great game last weekend, and they've got some calibre of players to be able to get back sides as well over the last couple of years as well. So um, the belief should be there. It's just a matter of uh, whether what, how they show up on the day. I think so. Um, be an interesting game, but they they they've they've got to win if if Yuronga win this game to make it in. So Cooper, on the other hand, they're locked in for finals 2018, but um, they're in some good form and they're a solid outfit. So it's going to be a really hard task for Cooley on the weekend to get over Cooper. And the final game, 4:45 p.m. at Maroochydore. Now, in theory, this should be a dead rubber because it's the bottom side, Maroochydore versus the third team in the mm. UQ Red Lions. But in the unlikely scenario. There's upsets. Yeronga beat Wilson and Koolingatatweed beats Cooperu. Well, then, if a third upset happens, Maruchidor beats the UQ Red Lions, it's the Red Lions that go out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's it, it, it's funny. And stranger things have happened in football. Um, we see it all the time. Anyone been watching AFL for a few years have yeah, worked that one out. Um, yeah, funny things happen all the time. But... Yeah, look, it's got to be hard to see UQ have a loss here, isn't it? They've started to hit form. They know they've just got to win, but not only that, they're going to be wanting to finish the season off um, with style. And, you know, out of all the sides, they've probably had their, their their strongest side on paper together the least. So they're going to be wanting to get a bit of um, uh, cohesive, this cohesive core together um, for the last round and just work on a few things coming into finals, how they're going to approach, um, this first finals game, you know, they're going to finish in the third or fourth spot. So it's going to be a, a an elimination game straight up. Uh, how they're going to approach that, um, you know, maybe work on a few things, a few sort of potentially even set plays or, or stuff they want to do. Maybe get some certain players gelling together um, in the forward line, the back line, just for the last little bit because their season's been quite um, disrupted this year. But I think they can do a lot of damage. Um, we called it from a long way back that they'd make the finals and they've just squeezed in. So, um They've, they've, they're definitely there, and I know they're running hot. So um, it's going to be be really interesting. I think they'll be they'll be too hard for uh, Maroochydore to get over, even at home this weekend. And Bond University having the bye, as we said, an end to their season, which uh, a bit sad in a way because last week we interviewed uh, Katrina Shearer, Sonic from uh, Bond University, uh, leading up to last weekend. She had kicked uh, eight goals in the previous two games, got in the best. Uh, last week, so just as she's come over, she's hit some red hot form. That's the end of the season. Yeah, it's a, it is a bit, bit sad, especially not just for one player, but for a few. And it's great to see. There's some great stories out of it, and especially for her. Um, we want to see that. We want to see more players coming from not just other codes, but well, other countries. That's fantastic to see. Um, you know, players do that and make that transition and obviously shows all how much they're dedicated to, to making it and the, and the love of the sport and this great game. So, um, yeah, it's fantastic on their part. I mean, Bond's still registering that the six wins in their first season in the competition. So, um, that's been a fantastic effort. Sure, it probably could be argued a lot of their games at the start of the season probably might not have been a true indication of the opposition they'd encounter, um, with all the AFLW and, uh, win a series going on, but yeah, fantastic for them. And the future's bright at Bond. They've got um, some fantastic players to build that side around now and some handy young talent coming through the ranks and some awesome facilities, mind you, as well. So, yeah, great, great to see them in their inaugural season. Well done, uh, Bond Uni. Um, but bowing out, and now the finals race, third and fourth spot is between three, UQ, Cooley and Yuronga. Well, Aaron, thanks for joining us here on Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival. We look forward to catching up with you next week when we review the final round and preview the finals. Pleasure as always, Peter. Thank you. Let's check out some scores from the WAWFL League competition where the penultimate round, round 15, was played over the weekend. And the Peel Thunderbirds, 13-15, 195, 
went whack against the Perth Angels, who scored just the one goal. Claremont, 5-7-37, went down to Subiaco, 7-7-49. South Fremantle, just the two behinds, went down to West Perth, 12-19-91, while Swan Districts, 2-4-16, were beaten by East Fremantle, 11-8-74. Looking to the final round of the WAWFL, one game on the Saturday at 5pm at Leaderville Oval. Subiaco play host to the Perth Angels. Three games on the Sunday at 2pm at Claremont Oval. Claremont plays host to West Perth. 2pm at Still Blue Oval. Swan Districts play host to Peel Thunderbirds. While 5pm at Fremantle Oval. South Fremantle play host to East Fremantle. Heading across the Tasmanian State League women's competition, round 14 played over the weekend, where the Bernie Dockers 117 went down to Clarence 12-3-75. Launceston 7-10-52 defeated the Tigers, just the one behind Glenorchy with the bye. Round 15 action this weekend, both games on Sunday the 5th of August, 1pm at the KGV, Glenorchy host Bernie, while Bluntstone Arena at 1.30pm, Clarence play host to Launceston, the Tigers having the bye. Let's find out what's been happening in the AFL Sydney Women's Premier Division, and joining us on the line, it's Lauren Hodgson. Lauren, how are you? Yeah, pretty well, thanks, Peter. How are you? Not too bad at all. It's getting down to the business end of the season in Sydney with a few interesting results. First of all, we start off with the Western Wolves, who only scored a point against the Newtown Breakaways, who'd been having a tough year, racked up a win. They scored 10-8-68. Yeah, a little bit of a – I mean, look, I thought that was um, going to be a, a, a close game. Definitely didn't think it would be a, you know, 11-goal result there. And, I mean, Wolves had had a win the week before, I, I think, from memory. Um, yeah, so a bit of a surprise there. Um, the Wolves' only point came in the second quarter. Uh, but, yeah, look, the breakaways were just consistent throughout the game, um, you know, kicking 3-2 in the first. Uh, kicked another couple of goals in the second, uh, yeah, and then kicked four in the third and, and one in the, the last. So, yeah, fairly consistent. Um, Laura Holdsworth, after coming off uh, the Giants' winter series um, and playing in defence, which was quite new for her, came out and kicked six goals for the breakaway. So, really, really good game by uh, Holdsworth there. And, um, yeah, obviously a bit of an unexpected margin, but a, a great result for the breakaways. UNSW Eastern Suburbs Bulldogs 13-5-83 defeated the Southern Power 2-4-16. Yeah, look, I think it's um, the biggest margin the Bulldogs have beaten power by this year. Um, look, I, I thought the Bulldogs would get the win, but um, definitely not sort of by margin of, of this much. And it, it certainly makes things interesting for the power. Um, you know, they're now only a game clear of, of fifth spot, but their percentage is, is quite poor. Um, so, yeah, being, being by such a margin definitely isn't going to help them. Um, the goal kickers for power were Ree Lotter and Jemima Wrigley. And for the Bulldogs, Privatelli kicked a bag of five. So well done to her there. And Nielsen chipped in with two. And then uh, the rest were individual goal kickers. So, um, yeah, it sets up an, an interesting last few games for the power for sure. And it's alive. The Sydney Uni Bombers are back in the finals race. 12-4-76, defeating the third-place Open Perth Giants 3-2-20. Yeah, well, they've definitely, um, as you said, they've uh, something's awoken in the Bombers. Um, you know, look, uh, I, I think they've started getting back quite a few of their key players um, over the last month, and, and they're now getting their best side on the park all at once. Um yeah, so it's now very interesting, uh, you know, really tight uh, going with three rounds to go in finals. Uh, Bombers only sit one game out of the uh, final four, but their percentages are significantly better than fourth place power. Um, scores are all even at, at quarter time, two goals apiece, uh, but then the Giants kicked a, a couple of goals and held, uh, held the, sorry, the Bombers kicked a couple of goals and held the Giants scoreless in that second quarter, and, uh, yeah, the Bombers just sort of kicked away in the second half to, uh, yeah, wind out winners uh, by 56 points. And, uh, yeah, they're definitely hitting their straps at the right time of the season, Peter, and um, I think uh, making a few teams above them nervous, not just uh, the fourth-place power, but if the Bombers manage to get into the finals, um, yeah, they're definitely going to give uh, give uh, Mac Uni and, and the Bulldogs, who are the front runners at the moment, a run for their money. And under lights, the Mac Uni Warriors 6-10-46 accounted for the UTS Shamrocks one five eleven. 
Yeah, look, they, they did that fairly comfortably. Um, Mackie would be disappointed with their goal-kicking accuracy, 6-10. Um, does he look a, a lot better if it was the other way around? But, uh, look, they'd, they'd be happy to take the win away. Um, Laura Russell was, again, strong up forward for the, the Warriors kicking the, kicking three goals and uh, and uh, Breen kicked the Shamrocks' only goal for the match. So let's have a look ahead to round 15 action. All games being played on Saturday, 4th of August. We begin by kicking the dew off the grass at 10 past 10 in the morning at Waratah Oval, where the Southern Power play the UTS Shamrocks. And really, the Southern Power not only need to win, but possibly rack up a little bit of percentage as well to help their cause. Yeah, look, I mean, I said they're a game clear um, in fourth, but their percentage is, I think, something like 40 below um, the team following them. So, look, um, obviously it's going to be hard to make that up. But what they need to do is, yeah, as you said, have a, a big win and, and try and claim some some percentage points um, and, and it, you know, at least maintain their buffer. Um, if Sydney Uni happen to have a win and power win, power have still got that one game above them. Um, look, Shamrocks have got power both times this season and the last time I think they beat them by 10 or 11 goals. So, um Power will be very wary of that, uh, but given they're, they're still in the final hunt and got a lot to play for, I think they'll be a lot more aware of the Shamrocks in last game and um, expecting them to have a win on Saturday. Now, the Western Wolves, who are technically in the running for the finals, uh, that's mathematically speaking, but they need a heck of a lot of things to go right. Uh, they right. go to Village Green at 10.40am to take on the UNSW Eastern Suburbs Bulldogs. Yeah, look, I think it's going to be a bit more pain for the Wolves um, look, I, I can't see them beating uh, beating the Bulldogs that are in second place, um, who have been in good form all year, and particularly their last couple of wins um, are really, yeah, really doing well heading into final. So I think a fairly comfortable win there by the Bulldogs. At 20 past 12 at Marnie Park, uh, the Newtown Breakaways play host of the Auburn Penrith Giants. Yeah, look, this should be a really interesting game. Obviously, the Giants are still in the, still in the finals hunt. Um I think the Giants are probably guaranteed a final spot. I think mathematically, I, I don't think they can be knocked out. Um, and Newtown, look, they've they've come off a really good win against uh, against the um, the Wolves, and um, I'm actually going to tip Newtown in an upset. And this final game, which will probably tail the tail of the tape, uh, Sydney Uni Bombers back, or will they be put back in their box by Macquarie University? It all happens at Sydney Uni Oval, 3 p.m. on Saturday. Yeah, look, that's definitely uh, definitely the game of the round, and I'm hoping it's actually the match of the round for AFL Sydney women so that they um, they record it and uh, and we can all sort of you know watch it and um, get a real feel for how the game goes. Um, I'm finding this one quite hard to tip because, as I said, you know, is Sydney Uni's form of the last few games true um, or, yeah, have they just sort of, uh, you know, hit a, a good patch? Um, I'm going to tip. Um, I'm actually going to tip the Uni here. I, I think their form is true. I think they've got some really key players back. I think it's going to be a close one, um, but I think they're going to have a win and uh, really shake up the teams above them with the uh, with, yeah, with the last couple of rounds to go. Well, Lauren, thanks very much for joining us here on Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival. We look forward to catching up with you next week when we review round 15 of the AFL Sydney Women's Premier Division. Yeah, look, thanks for having me on again, Peter. It's uh, always a pleasure to chat women's footy with you. Now, for a quick look at the scores in the Adelaide Footy League Women's Division 1 competition, round 14, the penultimate round played over the weekend. On Saturday, uh, Salisbury 7-5-47 defeated Christie Beach 2-2-14. That was under lights. While on Sunday afternoon, Adelaide Uni 7-13-55 defeated Fitzroy 2-7-19. And Morfordville Park 21-18-144 defeated Port Adelaide no score to the final round, round 15 this Saturday, the 4th of August at 7pm at the Fitzroy Sports Club. Fitzroy play host to Salisbury on Sunday at 2pm at Largs North Reserve, Port Adelaide host Adelaide University and 3pm at John Bice Memorial Oval. Christie's Beach play host to Morfordville Park. No footy was played over the weekend in the UNSW uh, Canberra first grade women's competition. But round 13 is this week, the third last round of the season. Uh, ga- well, two games played on Saturday, one on the Sunday. On Saturday, 4th of August, 10am at Holt 102, Balconnen host Tugranong. 1.30pm at Gungarland enclosed uh, Oval, Gungarland host Eastlake. And then Sunday at 10am at Allensure Park, Quimbian 
host Ainsley. Time to find out what's been happening in the Swiss Wellness VFL Women's Competition. And joining us on the line, it's our lead caller here at RSN Carnival and Matthew Cox. Coxie, how are you? Very well, Pete. Another big weekend in the Victorian Football League Women's Competition on the weekend. Only four games, considering we had a few sides uh, getting their second bye out of the way. But uh, still a, a fairly interesting round of football. Uh, some tight tussles um, and some good games as well. Yeah, some intriguing results across the weekend. Let's start with, I guess, the biggest margin, and that was the game of the day on Saturday with Carlton and Richmond that we broadcast on RSN Carnival. Uh, the Blues running away with this one, 7-10-52 to Richmond's one five eleven. Bouncing back after the loss to Collingwood the week prior out at Craigieburn, uh, where they actually pushed the pies in the game. Carlton wasn't a dominant performance on the weekend from them. They controlled momentum, but um, weren't putting Richmond to the sword at all. I felt they were just doing what they needed to do to get the job done. Richmond, on the other hand, mentioned it uh, in our uh, review on the weekend that they just, to me, seem a little bit tired. Uh, They don't seem to have that flash and quick ball movement that we saw earlier in the season and I think that's down to the fact that they're developing a lot of their younger players um, players that haven't played state league level football and they haven't got a hell of a lot of experience having said that Laura Bailey has joined the Tigers side was the first time that we saw her in yellow and black on the weekend and fulfilled her role for them but uh, beyond that they're AFLW experience is fairly thin, and uh, I think that might just be contributing to the fact that they've lost just a little bit of their sharpness that they had earlier in the season. Uh, only kicking a goal after half time on the weekend, had four behinds up until uh, half time, and then just the two scoring shots to finish out the game for Richmond. Carlton, fairly impressive across the four quarters, were A little inaccurate. It could have been a much greater margin than what it ended up being, but uh, it was only, uh, at the end of the day, only uh, 41 points. Uh, Still a a good victory, though, for the Blues. Harvey was uh, a real find up forward once again for them kicking two goals on the weekend. Vessio also contributing with two. Schultz, Fisher and Hosking, the other goal kickers for Carlton, whilst Monaghan continued her impressive season with Richmond with their only goal on the weekend. Leading disposal getters on the ground in this game, Gab Pound racked up 27 touches, played a pivotal role again, off half back but also pushing up towards the middle at times throughout the game. Um, Sarah Hosking also racked up 21 touches on the weekend, uh, also laid 10 tackles and took 5 marks, so Quite a handy performance from Sarah Hosking. Uh, whilst for Richmond, their leading disposal getter on the ground was their skipper, Jess Kennedy, racking up 20 touches. Let's have a look at what happened in the match between the Southern Saints and Hawthorne at Trevor Barker Beach Oval. And boy, oh boy, if the Hawks pulled the get-out-of-jail card again. They certainly did uh, with their result on the weekend. We're trailing uh, up until three-quarter time and were able to just scrape over the line against the Southern Saints, who got out to a good start, kicked two goals in the opening term to the four behinds, Hawthorne, uh, who were actually, at, at half time, they'd kicked seven behinds, uh, so seven scoring shots to three, the Southern Saints scoring three goals up until half time. Final score in this game, 5 8 38, Hawthorne, Southern Saints, 4 5 29. But uh, as you mentioned, Hawthorne just a little bit sluggish. They uh, obviously took a while to get accurate at Trevor Barker Beach Oval. I wonder whether the weather was just a little contributor for them on the weekend. But an impressive performance from the Southern Saints. It looked at least on the scoreboard that they were a little more um, or a little quicker with their ball movement and getting it inside attacking 50 in the early stages of the game, which was Uh, an area that we were slightly critical of them the week before where they just tried to possess the footy a little bit too much and were a bit indecisive with it for the first three quarters against Melbourne University. So positive signs for them. For Hawthorne, it's a little bit of a question mark. Now, I thought 
coming out of the bye that they would have put this one away quite easily. And considering they haven't been able to do that, despite having uh, significantly more scoring shots, uh, just raises the question whether they can just get everything to click as we head into the final few rounds of the season. Certainly going to be an interesting story to watch over the next couple of weeks. Southern Saints goal kickers on the weekend, Allsop, Rapari, Bahana and Lawrence each kicking goals, whilst for Hawthorne also all single goal kickers, Beeson, Mikkelvina, Watton, Gilder and Perkins, who returned to the Hawthorne lineup on the weekend. Stats in this game, leading disposal getter on the ground was Van Dyke with 27 touches, five marks and a tackle, whilst for the Southern Saints, their leading disposal getter was Drennan with 21 touches and five tackles. And it's worth mentioning for the Hawks in the run home, they'll play the sides that are uh, fifth, fourth and sixth, respectively, all jostling to get into that last spot in the final four. So they will not be easy games by the any stretch of the imagination on the run home. A side that looks all assured to be locked into the top four and will be playing finals football on debut. The Northern Territory Thunder, 8-9-57, accounting for the Casey Demons, 7-3-45. Not easily, though, according to some of the match reports that I've read coming out of this game. Casey did incredibly well to fight back. They trailed at halftime 8-6 to two straight goals for uh, Casey. Uh, Northern Territory Thunder didn't kick a goal after half time. They only kicked three behind. So Casey doing well to maintain touch. First game that was played at Traeger Park in Alice Springs of Victorian uh, Football League women's competition action. So that was the initial game, and Casey did well to, to create a good contest. Um, so after we were, I think, uh, questioning their inconsistency on the weekend, we know that they had the interrupted start to the season, but uh, good to see that they are putting some good performances together now. They're getting close. They just haven't racked up enough wins to be in contention for a finals berth in 2018. As you said, the Northern Territory Thunder are uh, almost guaranteed a, a spot inside the top four, but um, after their performance on the weekend, hopefully it was just a slight uh, reality check for them that they can't afford to switch off, especially with competitive sides. Goal kickers on the weekend in this game, Hickey and Rosenweig kick two goals apiece for the Northern Territory Thunder, Thorne, Holmes, Forth and Anderson, their other goal kickers, whilst for Casey, Zanker and Scott kicked two, Shelvin and Newman and Smith were their other goal kickers on the weekend. Leading disposal getters on the ground in this game, uh, just looking down at the list of as the technology fails me, here we go. 26 touches for McCormick for the Northern Territory Thunder on the weekend. Also laid five tackles whilst the leading disposal getter continuing her impressive season in Demons Colours. Jacobson racked up 20 touches, took five marks and laid two tackles. And to the final game of the round, only four games played for this round. Melbourne Uni 2-7-19 went down to Collingwood 6-2-38 at Avalon Airport, Avalon Werribee. Yeah, the scoreboard ended up flattering Collingwood, I think, in this game. Melbourne University were incredibly competitive. They had a number of opportunities, and unfortunately, they just weren't able to capitalise. And when Collingwood got the ball in their hands, they seized the opportunity and used their experience uh, to create a bit of confidence, allowed other players to also back themselves in the decision-making and move the ball forward and obviously get scoring opportunities as a result. Uh, Melbourne Uni, as I mentioned, they missed opportunities. They were inaccurate, which uh, I think would have been frustrating considering the, the momentum that they've been building over the last couple of weeks. The last uh, three games that we've called of them, they have all had chances to win and unfortunately they were only able to come away with one victory against the Southern Saints in the middle of all that. So um, 
positive signs for Melbourne University. We we know that they're on the, the development path with the North Melbourne list, but they were very close to getting another win on the weekend. Goal kickers in this game for the Muggers. Price and Carney kicked one goal apiece, whilst for Collingwood, Edwards and Alexander provided options up forward with two goals each, whilst King kicked one and Hildebrand kicked a magnificent goal from the broadcast pocket uh, right up against the boundary line and managed to sail through beautifully. Um, and I believe that's uh, now up on the, the VFL website. So if you manage to check that out, go and have a look because that was a magnificent goal by Nicole Hildebrand. Leading disposal getters in this game and uh, have a look at the names that sit on top of, uh, of this list. Riddle, Carney, Malloy, Prisparkas, Benici, and Gillespie Jones and Alexander uh, fill the first few positions on the leading disposal getter list. Riddle racked up 33 touches, took four marks and laid seven tackles on the weekend. Emma Carney racked up 28 touches. Chloe Malloy racked up 23, took three marks and laid three tackles. Prasparkas racked up 20 touches, 10 kicks and 10 handballs. So nicely balanced there from Madison Prasparkas. And Britt Benici, who was on fire on the weekend, uh, great decision-making, applied plenty of pressure around the ball carrier. She racked up 19 touches on the weekend uh, and had a magnificent game. And the other players quickly, Kate Gillespie-Jones, 18 disposals, and Sophie Alexander, along with her two goals, racked up 16 touches, took five marks, and laid four tackles. And the sides that had the bye for that round, the Western Bulldogs, Williamstown, Darabin, Essendon, and the Geelong Cats. So let's jump into lucky round 13, the fourth last round of the season. And we begin by heading out to Casey Field, Saturday, 4th of August, 10.30 a.m., bounced out. Casey Demons hosting Carlton. Curious to see how Casey returned from the Northern Territory, considering that they would have spent a few petrol tickets in that second half, and it would have been slightly warmer than what it is in Victoria, playing uh, in, in Alice Springs on the weekend. I'm going to tip Carlton, but uh, I think Casey can do what they've been doing recently and be very competitive and challenge the Blues. Uh, Blues, whilst uh, they had a good win on the weekend, I'm not entirely confident and can't trust them to, to put this game away completely, but uh, I am tipping them. Strangely, this game is being hosted at Avalon Airport Oval in Werribee. Uh, Williamstown hosts the NT Thunder Saturday at 11am. Yeah, I don't think it's going to make any difference to, to the result where the game is being played. I think the Northern Territory Thunder are going to get... Uh, another decent win on the board against the Seagulls, who unfortunately are one of the uh, bottom sides of the competition in 2018. They're uh, developing uh, positive signs in uh, their last few outings where they've been competitive. I think there was one blowout in amongst that, but at least they've been slightly more consistent in the performances that they've been putting on the park, but uh, expecting a big victory and not that they need a bit of percentage booster for the Northern Territory Thunder on the weekend. Saturday, 4th of August at 11.30am, GMHBA Stadium. The Geelong Cats host Richmond. Geelong should win this game and need to win it comfortably just to reassert themselves in the top four of the competition. They've been a bit uh, all over the place uh, in the last couple of months. They've uh, had some good wins in there, but they've also had some interesting losses. They uh, after, <coughs> after coming off uh, the bye, they really need to uh, stamp their authority in this game, and I think they should be able to do it on their home deck. Uh, unfortunately for Richmond, as we alluded to a little earlier, they just seem to have lost their spark now, and I just question whether they'll be able to get it back prior to the end of the season. Saturday, 4th of August, 12pm at Bill Laurie Oval in Westgarth. We're on air at 11am this Saturday for Darabin versus Hawthorne. Even though mathematically they've still got a couple of options left and that they need results to fall their way, come approaching this game as if it's Darabin's last roll of the dice. Um, and they probably need to prove themselves against the Hawthorne side that 
hasn't been too crash hot over uh, the last month and a half. They've uh, they've been winning, but winning very a- uh, averagely. That's a great use of the English language there. Um, but they've had uh, some poor performances where they've just scraped over the line, and I don't think Hawthorne can continue to let that happen. Real opportunity for Darabin, and considering it's on their second home of Bill Laurie Oval, considering that they don't play at AH Cap Reserve anymore, I think the Falcons might just be able to reignite their season and remain in the hunt for the top four. Western Bulldogs versus the Southern Saints, Sunday, 5th of August, 12pm at Henry Turner Memorial Reserve. We're on air at 11am for this one. Yeah, another interesting game. Southern Saints uh, will be looking to push the Western Bulldogs who continue that role coming out of the bye. I think they're up to about seven victories. Six in a row. Six in a row. So pushing for number seven uh, this weekend. And I think they should be able to do it on their home deck. But uh, the Southern Saints certainly won't be pushovers given their recent results. And then finally, Sunday, 5th of August at 1pm at Rams Arena, Craggyburn. It's the bottom side versus the top side. Essendon versus Collingwood. Stranger things have happened in football. And even though I am an Essendon supporter, I just don't think they'd be able to get over a Collingwood side. I think uh, Collingwood have certainly been challenged in the last couple of weeks against Carlton and Melbourne University. And they'll be looking just to re, uh, realign themselves and, and put in a dominant performance. And I think they should be able to do that on the weekend against an Essendon side, which we know it's uh, a big learning curve for them, uh, like a couple of other clubs in the competition. They've got a lot of inexperienced players on their list when it comes to not only VFLW experience, but AFLW experience. So teaching those players, big learning curve, big test at their, uh, also their second home out at Rams Arena. Uh, but I think Collingwood should be too strong in this one. And Melbourne University having the bye this round. Coxie, thanks very much again for your review of all the VFLW action. And we look forward to your commentary alongside Lucy Watkin and Neve Felton uh, this Saturday at Bill Laurie over for Darabin and Hawthorne. Yeah, looking forward to it. Should be a cracking game, and knowing both Lucy and Neve should also make for an interesting broadcast on Saturday morning. And, of course, with the other game that we've got this weekend, Western Bulldogs, Southern Saints, that's also going to be a cracker. So make sure that you tune in 11 o'clock across the weekend. And, again, just repeating one more time, we have two Swiss Wellness VFL women's matches. We're broadcasting on RSN Carnival this weekend, starting on 11 a.m. both days, Saturday and Sunday. On Saturday, Darabin versus Hawthorne at Bill Laurie Oval in Westgarth. And then on Sunday, we bring you the Western Bulldogs versus the Southern Saints at Henry Turner Memorial Reserve in Footscray. Again, we go to air on Saturday and Sunday, 11 a.m. both days with some very important matches. So do join us then. I'm Peter Holden. I look forward to your company again next Wednesday, 6 p.m. on RSN Carnival for Women's Australian Rules Football. Until then, bye for now.